all the models that we are using are wrong because otherwise it would be reality, blah, blah. But are they more useful than last click? That is the question. And, uh, and that comes back to also understanding the basics of, of how marketing works, how user journeys work, how, what kind of impact branding can have. Project A podcast. Uh, today we managed to secure uh, several really, really good speakers. Uh, one of them is Yua Meng, with whom I worked at Delivery Hero uh, on developing the attribution modeling over there. We also have Janos, who um, is a specialist in this topic specifically and consulting many of the companies, also several big names that you probably know from Berlin. So thank you also from my side for, for coming. Uh, despite the hot weather, the AC gave up, but we have plenty of beer, so refresh <laughs> yourselves. Um, also, thank you to you and to Janos for participating. Really good talks. Um, also great that you are already drinking beer, so we skipped the water part. That's cool. <laughs> I want to step a little back and ask him, what you, would you recommend a company that just starts thinking about attribution? So I think the notion that last click is probably not sufficient is out there, and you showed the statistics that 66% uh, of companies in this one study actually have some form of attribution. So let's assume uh, a startup or a young company is starting to think about this. How should they go about it? Maybe you uh, your take first. So for a startup, I mean, it's really based on your business. And uh, the first step, probably you would always want to try from the very basic models that Google Analytics provide to you. They are easy, but uh, they also make sense. So for example, for our company, we have actually acquisition, which is the user first to put our order, and we have reorders. For example, in the acquisition part, probably we would like to focus more on the first click of the user because the first piece of the advertising that's draw your user's eyes might be important. But afterward, when you come into the reorder part, probably the first click is no longer useful because the user actually already know your brand and uh, what you need to do what you need to do in your attribution model, probably you would like to focus more on your last touch point. That is really based on your business and uh, it's always start from some common sense. So you can try the easy, very basic rules from Google Analytics and uh, step by step, you apply more rules, you have more input data, you apply more advanced data for trying to build more advanced attribution model for your business. I think I just can second what you said, unless you're starting off with a significant digital marketing spend. So if you just got funded or whatever, the kind of range that we start off, we usually say if the digital marketing spend is above 20 or 50,000 per month, then it makes sense to talk uh, you know, to an attribution vendor. Obviously the common sense, start off with just you know, looking at the data that's available, as you mentioned, in, in Google Analytics. Um, but we also heard surprisingly many, um, many, many companies underestimating the complexity of their user journeys, for example, by not taking into account display impressions or all the other impacts that we already talked about, such as offline marketing. So I wouldn't wait too long to kind of jump ahead and, and get a really more holistic uh, view. And that doesn't necessarily need to, uh, or doesn't necessarily mean to start working with us. Um, as Delivery Hero showed, you know, you can also build these capabilities internally and, and you know, just get a more holistic picture and maybe also independent picture. We, we, we also talk to many companies that have their own tracking, that develop their own tracking. For example, at Jimdo, where I worked before starting the company, 
we developed a tracking of our own because we thought that's quite an important topic and we don't want to necessarily believe Google all the way. Mm -hmm. And so um, let's say I follow your advice as a young startup and uh, I have 50k marketing spend um, on a monthly basis and then I start with Google. When is the point in time when I, sh when I should start thinking further than what Google Analytics provides me with? Whenever you start working outside the Google space, so if you start for example with Facebook ads or even if you start with Bing searches which are highly underestimated by many, uh, then, you have, then you start off having a cross-channel or cross-platform uh, problem right there and then you might want to consider working with something independent mm -hmm. uh, of, of one of these providers. Mm -hmm. Specifically if you do display ads or if for example if you start working with Criterio or some other retargeting services which at some stage makes sense then so as soon as you start doing significant media spend outside of Google then I think it makes sense to consider more independent uh, view on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, you mentioned um, you can start easy and then take it from there. And I wonder how you do that also. Every time you update your attribution model, doesn't your marketing team go wild and say, hey, numbers changed again? So um, how do you actually moderate that in, within the company? That's part of job wars, like uh, fighting with marketing department wars. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> our BI team do it a lot, I think. My work is just, just investing the algorithm and uh, implement this. Yeah, of course, because for the asset flow part, for example, we try back and forth a lot of time. And we actually have the first version of the model, which is at the very beginning, it works fine. And then after several months, it, like the numbers go crazy. Yes, our VP from our performance marketing really like, uh, hey, why the number goes like this? I say, well, the model needs to be manipulated <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, just tell them, this is the truth, and uh, there are, <laughs> and, <laughs> and your <laughs> attribution model is actually never perfect. So it's like you need to always put in a lot of effort into it <clears throat> to always improve it. That's why. So um, when you have an update to your attribution model, do you bring it live right away, or do you do some kind of version control and you test it somehow? Uh, I would be interested in how, and then you bring it live, or do you, when you have an update, do you push it immediately to the whole company? Yeah, of course we have version control. Like uh, all of our code are stored somewhere on GitHub. I don't mean the code. Sorry, I oh, mean okay. like so you have one <laughs> model. You have model A live uh -huh. with the company, and the marketing team looks at it, and you say, okay, we do some changes to the model, model B, and then you ah, just switch usually, on. Uh, uh, usually, it's marketing team say, hey, there's something looks wrong. You need to change it. It's not us say, mm, is something look wrong, we need to change it. <laughs> okay. From our side, it's like this. Because the marketing departments really have a lot of experience because they do a lot of analysis, like I said in the talk. They do a lot of single channel analysis. They are Facebook fellows who are doing some analysis based on Facebook. They are search fellows who are doing analysis on search. And they would have kind of the different results, actually, mm -hmm. for your attribution model. But uh, since your attribution model is something that uh, combines everything together and in your backend data and to show a very comprehensive image to every person, so it's really them to have the question for us. Why in our lift test we show that much lift and the attribution model is so, so, so small? You something you need to change. <laughs> mm -hmm. And okay. uh, yes, that is 
usually where our requirements come from. And uh, from there, we just search for more advanced model to see if we could improve the attribution model more. Okay. Like uh, in our first phase, the organic channel take like 95% of the contribution, which is definitely not true and uh, definitely wrong. So you're saying based on experience, marketers will approach yeah, exactly. you and say, this can't be true, can yes. you please revisit the model? Something like that, yes. Okay. Or probably the marketing, the marketing team are actually changing the strategy somehow. For example, mm -hmm. they suddenly put a lot of spend on SEM and uh, I'm a tech person, they won't tell me beforehand. <laughs> but afterhand, they said, hey, we put one billion on SEM, why my SEM touch point is so, so small? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. There, you can check the pr where the problem is and uh, probably design a new model for your marketing team. Okay. And Janos, so when you um, come to a company with your attribution model that you build custom for them, um, how do you go about explaining them that actually now the numbers are totally different and they should trust you more than what they had before? So maybe they had an attribution model, as you explained also. Yeah. Like it's basically just trust, right? Because it's hard to prove. You showed one way yeah. of A-B testing. So maybe you can explain a bit how you deal with this uncertainty sure. on the stakeholder side. So I think there are like maybe two or three components to this. One is, as in the case of Flixpose, it was quite easy because they already knew the data-driven modeling approach. Mm -hmm. and what they actually did is they compared on the user journey level the weights that we would attribute to specific touch points and compare that to whatever they saw before. And it was then putting their marketing intuition into it and, you know, for example, seeing, okay, affiliate doesn't, like a discount code affiliate wouldn't get any value if it uh, happened maybe in the 30 seconds after the add to basket. Mm -hmm. So on a user level comparison, then secondly, this AUC metric that we are also communicating quite aggressively and that is only, can only be interpreted correctly if you know, you know, how this algorithm works. So what I've showed you how the algorithm works, we make that available to like the basics of it. We, we want our clients to kind of understand it so that they are not have the feeling that some, some sort of clever data scientist came up with this machine learning black box and they now have to trust it or you know, leave it. So we want them to understand and, and leave the AI, behind, uh, AI hype behind them and really dive into kind of the basics of what we are doing there and then they can interpret this AUC metric and our dream would be if a kind of marketing manager comes up to their BI team and says, okay, this, the model Archiva is using has an AUC of, let's say, for example, 0.8. So it seems to work. I don't know how often that really happens, but we can communicate this AUC metric. I mean, all the models that we are using are wrong because otherwise it would be reality, blah, blah. But are they more useful than last click? That is the question. And, and, and that comes back to also understanding the basics of, of how marketing works, how user journeys work, how, what kind of impact branding can have. Um, I think this building this general trust in these approaches is, is something that, that makes a lot of sense to, to have them you know, really apply these models and trust mm -hmm. them. To be honest, at the beginning as a startup, that was one of the largest challenges yeah. because they kind of fear on conferences or meetups such as these the data-driven attribution is better than last click, but it's just this, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's hard to then actually prove it. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, where these three tactics come in place. Mm -hmm. And then I wondered, um, you mentioned that you don't specifically enable your customers to, to make sense of the data and to act on it. And, but nonetheless, you showed an example of uh, the site. 
Yeah. And I reached out to a friend who's working at the site in online yeah. marketing. She didn't get back to me. <laughs> Not a good correct. sign. <laughs> but I wondered, yeah. um, in the end, you are only successful if the customer does something with the data, yes. right? So you kind of are incentivized to enable them yes. to understand what you deliver and work with it. Right? Yeah, so, I think I, th there was a slight miscommunication on my part. So we, we are really, really after kind of building the first case that it, that it actually works for the client. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, also from a case study perspective. And, um, that, and, you know, for example, to build a case such as with Flixbus to show that the return on ad spend has increased, etc. We, as a startup with limited resources, are not able to change the organization such as, for example, within Flixbus, the marketing organization and how BI and marketing works together. That, that is more of a change process that is the kind of leadership or management role in that organization. So we would kind of be overwhelmed if we would have to drive that. Mm -hmm. But obviously, we want to uh, enable the marketing managers that we work with, who most of the cases are all kind of advocates also, also for the data-driven attribution approach, to as quickly as possible prove to the whole organization that this is yeah. the right approach. Okay. Yeah. And that's something that we also do a lot in the BI team. So we provide a solution ourselves, and then we very much struggle with uh, driving the organization to understand this, to use it. So it's yeah. definitely one of the bigger challenges, I would agree. So how does this work? At Deliveroo, you, I guess that you're also not just satisfied with providing a good model. You basically also want people to use it, right? Are you lucky enough to have a marketing team already that basically knows how to deal with this and they constantly drive this forward? Or do you, to some extent, have to push this, uh, this understanding of attribution into the company? As far as I know, our marketing departments rely <coughs> on attribution model a lot. That's why <coughs> we always keep effort on improving it are you going to force push them to use it i think i didn't met this problem <laughs> yeah it's probably because you sorry you outgrew the stage right i, I think mm. uh, it sounds a lot like your marketing team is already very much used to working with attributed uh, data yes. so they they really so, ask yes, for stuff which is we, a fortunate situation yeah we have very kind of mature marketing department and uh, mm. they know what they are doing they know what's kind of tools they have, they can take as reference. And uh, my job is just deliver all this reference for them. Tell them this model, we take this channels into consideration. That's channels, uh, that's model, we take that part into consideration. And uh, they probably are not exactly the same, but you need to know what's behind them. It's mm -hmm. like we built the model based on this principle and uh, which strategy are you willing to take? Well, that's a job from <laughs> for our marketing department. Okay. Yeah. Maybe just to uh, this, this point about, you know, having built this Google Ads integration was exactly also another way to, for us to kind of force push the uh, marketing departments to use that data to activate it. Mm -hmm. And it's really funky if you work with, if the client works with an SEA agency, so it's a paid search agency, which a lot of like small and medium-sized businesses have, and they are only responsible for the Google mm -hmm. Ads part, and then suddenly they see the conversions drop that they have in Google Ads. And they are not too, too interested to see that. And then they also tell us, see, I told you this attribution modeling doesn't work because the Google Ads numbers <laughs> go down. And then we tell them, yeah, maybe look into Google Analytics and not Google Ads because you should see that you, d you know, reduce the spend, but overall conversions more or less stayed the same, maybe even grew because you invested the money somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of is the you know, knowledge that needs to be built up. And they were like, okay, so sorry, yeah. I didn't say anything. Yeah. But so, I mean, that's why you do attribution in the first place, yes. right? To basically 
to break with this silo thinking. Yes, yes, but before we get to acting on, on attribution, which as you know is something very dear to yeah. me as well, um, one more question to the challenges that uh, Yui uh, was, was mainly talking about. So we are oftentimes being approached with the challenge of impression-based attribution. Um, you, you said it in your outlook that it's something to improve your model with. Yes. Is that something you already tackled or is it for the future? And if it's for the future, do you already have an approach of how to tackle it? Uh, to be honest, in my current company, I haven't tackled that yet, but in my previous company, like two years ago, we built attribution model based on both click and uh, impression data. Because intuitively, it's like uh, for the search part, probably click is more important. But for YouTube part, for display part, for what else, Facebook part, probably impressions are more important proxy than clicks. So for example, have you ever clicked on the YouTube advertising when you watch a YouTube video? Have you? Just for tragic. From my experience, I never clicked on it, but uh, because some of them spam me too much, so I already remember their brand name. So in this case, I'm really an impression user instead of a click user. I think from my side, it makes more sense to handling this kind of channels by using impression data than by uh, click data. And uh, that's what I can say. Yeah. And uh, how to process your impression data, that will be very tech problem because your impression data will be huge. One user probably can impress, like, uh, view your advertising 100 times, but you don't really know like uh, which times you really see your advertising. So this is an another topic I think I don't need to go very detailed here. It will take 20 minutes probably. Mm -hmm. yeah. One follow-up question. So I think we all agree because most of the people don't click on banners so much, I think, here. But we would agree that it has some effect on us. So I think going down the path is, is uh, understandable. But how do you even get to that impression data? I mean, from some channels, it's fairly easy to get it, although it's, it's like a lot. But can you extract this data from all the channels that Deliver Hero is using? We only have session data, to be honest. I don't really know how to drive how to extract the impression data from session data. But what I know is Google has some products for it, for recording impression data. It's called double click or something like that. Yeah, and probably you can take advantage of this third party. Well, it's not really third party, it's Google. Well, it's still third party. Third party data. More data is always welcome. You can collaborating with some third party to buy this kind of impression data mm -hmm. and uh, to make your model works better. Mm -hmm. Janosz, how do you go about this? Because it has been around for quite a while and also knowing from the marketing team here at Project A, everybody's screaming for us to, to venture into impression-based. Yes. Um, how do you take this into account? So uh, we, we got certified really early on for GDN impression data. And mm -hmm. back then, it was easy then to get into all the typical DSPs. So meaning that we have a view tag that mm -hmm. you can implement in, for example, GDN campaigns, uh, so that we could track on a cookie level when somebody only have seen an ad without clicking on it. And <clears throat> That obviously doesn't work for Facebook. I, I, I'm talking about web now, web tracking. So mm -hmm. that doesn't work for Facebook. Uh, all the basically all the social channels, uh, YouTube threw us out or threw all the independent vendors out last year with GDPR. Facebook had some. Some were still allowed to track Facebook views on a on a kind of tech level, on a on a user level, but that also stopped last year. 
So I think the general tendency is towards trying to integrate this type of impression data from the social channels on an aggregated level mm -hmm. so that you know, for example, okay, on this day, this Instagram influencer had that many views or this specific Instagram campaign or Pinterest campaign had that many views. Does it somehow, is it somehow possible to correlate that to how much traffic you, for example, have in your, in your app or on your, on your website? And I, I mentioned before when I talked about adjust and mobile app tracking that it was at first it was Wild West and it's not independently trackable. But there, interestingly, you're allowed, for example, if you work with adjust or AppSlide, you're allowed to also get the impression level data on a mm -hmm. device. So if you ask Facebook, did you have a, a did you have an impression or click some sort of interaction before the install, you get that back on a device level. So it's much richer data than on a, on a web level, mm -hmm. which makes it quite interesting to use that data for mobile. I think that's a fine advantage here for mobile-only place. But um, to be honest, it's, it's getting harder and harder to track impressions, display impressions with the view tag of your own. You as a SaaS attribution provider, <laughs> if you want, um, how afraid are you of Google? Because um, I've been to Amsterdam yesterday at a portfolio company of ours, and they were lucky enough to use the closed beta of GA360 uh, yeah. attribution, which included impression for a while yeah. until Google decided to not roll it out, yeah. <laughs> either because they didn't manage to or probably they saw that the impression data actually didn't benefit them. Uh, but I, I think they will, they, <laughs> they will probably give it a second try. So how afraid are you of them? Because it is an industry standard out there. Do you think you have like a competitive edge? And if so, which, what is it? Interesting question. So we being asked that a lot by investors. I mean, you some sort of investor as well. So <laughs> that fits the space. But if you, if you think of it as an end game where only Google, Facebook, and maybe Amazon will survive, and you have only these three ad platforms remaining, maybe Twitter or whatever, would you ever then go to one of these ad platforms to evaluate all the other ones? In the offline marketing world, this would be completely not possible if you do ads on Pro7, for example, to use their tool to evaluate your ads on ATL. That, that's our hypothesis, which mm -hmm. still needs to be proven. And then also Google can their attribution product. You know, sounds that we heard is that uh, Google noticed that marketing managers are getting more advanced. They know that they shouldn't solely trust Google. And, and Google just recently had another one of these glitches where they had to pay huge fines yeah. to um, some, I think, ad trader or something was that, because of wrong reports. Facebook had their uh, fuck-ups there. So I think it's up to the advertisers, but the more advanced advertisers are more leaning towards using an, an abandoned solution. Obviously, also Google has its limitations on being able to track Facebook views, so yeah, they're struggling sure. with the same problems there. Obviously, it's interesting to kind of be in a battle with these two companies. And <laughs> so I was at a pitch uh, at, a, at an e-commerce company uh, down in the south of Germany. And they told me that they started working with GA360 and the attribution and, you know, loaded on their whole Google stack. And then Google decided to can the attribution product. And I was like, okay, that's interesting news because why did they do it? You know, it, it's not like, um, yeah, cool, one competitor less. And I think two or three months later, Facebook came up with saying, oh, now we got an attribution mm. solution. And that's obviously quite a wild space for us to be in. Yeah. Uh, before competitors as well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and I think just enjoy the ride. So let's <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> but I mean, the hypothesis, yeah, I mean, the hypothesis are that by adding more also macro level data, still being part by just, you know, the idea that it doesn't make sense to believe one ad platform completely yeah. to evaluate all the other ones. That's probably yeah. the strongest hypothesis for us right now. And then Janos mentioned um, 
marketing mix modeling already? Is that something that um, you, you have also experience with or are thinking about at Delivery Hero? Yeah, we worked on marketing mix model for a long time and uh, improved it several times. So yes, as I mentioned, we have several tools, tools for talking to our marketing department that you could take it as reference. Marketing mix model is one of them. I have some problem on marketing mix model because it can very hard to track the long-term effect of your media channels. So I worked on marketing mix model for Delivery Hero like two years ago mm -hmm. and created model based on scratch, inputs all of that economics, seasonalities, medias into the models <coughs> so that we could probably see the contribution for each channel. It seems like for short term, probably it's work. For long term, it really depends. So to be honest, we don't have solution for the long term yet. Mm -hmm. And probably you need to take more this kind of marketing survey from your customer to make this kind of long term analysis to split the baseline of your market marketing mix model into meaningful result. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. So did I get it right that you provide your marketing team with different tools, one of them being attribution, one Actually, of them yes. being marketing mix model, yeah, so and then they have to figure it out? It's not they have to figure it out. It's like uh, we need to tell them why they probably sometimes looks not that same. Okay. Yeah. All right. Dan, mm. so how do you think about marketing mix modeling? If, if I think of a Triba, would you provide me as a customer with two different things then? Or would you integrate it with what you, what you sell as, a, as an attribution product nowadays? The, the end result will be to integrate it and to get one view. As of now, we also doing that as a kind of a separate view to also validate, okay. as, as you said, also to validate kind of the MTA, uh, multi-touch attribution part. And the results uh, can be quite interesting. If you, for example, see that your baseline is very very large and accounts for maybe 40 percent or 50 percent even of your sales and not you know only 10 percent the rest goes to performance marketing which makes sense if you you know think about like brands that are really old or really well established and obviously what they spend in however they built that brand that that you know has some significant impact on how many sales they will also make in the future communicating that is again another topic that really quickly becomes political and even careers can, could potentially depend on. So if you find out that the performance marketing team is only accountable for 50% of the sales that they previously thought of, uh, then you know, it can be a really difficult situation. Yeah. One last topic, so maybe two questions if I'm allowed, is acting on attribution. Yes. So um, I sometimes take a very provocative stand on that. I don't really mind so much about your model, so not insulting you and all the complexity behind it. But in the end, you need one and then you need to go with it. And then you need yeah. to think about what do I do with the attributed data that I get? And that's actually, uh, it sounds easier than it is. Um, you mentioned one way of using the data, so pushing it back to Google Ads. What are other ways of acting on the attributed data that you deliver to your customers? Yeah, I, I mean, the other way is just to base your all your marketing decisions on it. So how much to spend and, you know, the channels to base your budget allocation on it. But they, they, you know, they use the same marketing controlling report that they used before, but it's now just based on our attribution data. Mm -hmm. So and that's also for me when I started working in that space, I wasn't actively, I was a data scientist or, you know, managed data science teams. So I, I never could comprehend 
how you could have that question if you see a new marketing controlling report, how you could not know what to do. Because you have your return on ad spend or your CPA or your CPO. So just, you know, these are the KPIs that you worked on before. So now just, you know, they look differently and now you just, uh, oh, not the biggest, but one of the bigger misconceptions that we had. So that's why we built this Google Ads integration and then also push that data back into, into the data warehouse of the clients to, you know, just feed whatever the reports uh, they worked on before. And then this whole topic of customer lifetime value attribution, because that's also similar to moving away from last click, that's also re becoming really obvious that you need to take those into account that it's not completely solved how to best act on that data and it so heavily depends on the type of organization that you have uh, the transformational processes that can be driven in these organizations because as you mentioned like if you don't act on that data it doesn't matter what kind of model you use we don't talk about LSTMs to our clients if we know they don't have a machine learning background mm -hmm. so we're going to talk about them that more easy approach because it's just you know it's getting too complicated and then they maybe get frustrated and don't do anything and just yeah. you know are kind of too impressed by what we're doing yeah. which we obviously don't want to happen it should be rather more implicitly clear that this is one of the better approaches to do attribution modeling but that they should focus just to act upon it mm -hmm. And, and this is easier said than done, right? So yeah, um, just for context, um, I mean, the first use case of attribution really uh, changing your budget allocation. I think that's fairly easy because you can do it, as you say, the way you did it before. But then you also want to steer your, your campaign management on a daily basis uh, upon the, um, the attributed data. And for that, you ideally need to get that data into the different interfaces you're yeah. using, like Google Ads. So I really like that you're doing that. But with Facebook, for example, I'm not aware of a way no. of doing this. I think Smartly at some point enabled users to basically push data to Facebook somehow because they are a licensed partner and so on. But it's really a pain to make this data actionable. Mm -hmm.